up. Boys will be boys. Boys don't cry. Be a man. Man up. Man up. Man up. Bros before hoes. Bros before hoes. Be strong like be a strong man. Be strong like a man. Be what women be want. Be what women want. Be what a woman wants. Be a provider. Be a provider. Bringing home the bacon. A lone wolf. A lone wolf. The strong, silent type. Strong, strong enough, enough for strong a man. Strong enough for a man. You smell, like, like, a man. Man. smell like a man. You run, throw, hit, play like a girl. You're listening to Masculinity Redefined an open and honest discussion with a goal to increase awareness and change the narrative of the harmful gender behaviors known as toxic masculinity. Hello, my name is Jason Carubia and welcome to our live podcast and roundtable discussion. I'll be your moderate moderator as we examine the social justice issue known as toxic masculinity. Today, I'm joined by a diverse and insightful panel of guests who intend to deepen the understanding and offer opportunities for changing during our uncertain times. First up is Ben Kroll, uh, he, a Southern Connecticut State University senior communication major with an advertising and promotions concentration and a political science minor. Ben is the co-chair of the YDSA, that's the Young Democratic Socialists of America, and captain of the men's rugby team. Next, we have Brady Agovino, a Southern Connecticut State University Honors College senior with a concentration in advertising and promotions. And the podcast welcomes again, Sammy J, a social justice warrior and social media advocate for the LGBTQ community. Finally, we are joined by Dr. Janani Umamaheshwar, an assistant professor in the Department of Sociology here at Southern Connecticut State University. Her published research and teaching methods include criminology, gender, punishment, the life course, and qualitative research methods. Uh, thank you all again for bringing your unique perspectives to our forum. I want to. I would just jump in quickly to say if anyone listening um, wants to ask a question, a great place to do it will be on our social media feed um, on Instagram. Um, it is at uh, SESU underscore CMS. Um, if you are on your our Twitter feed, uh, we are at the same at SESU underscore CMS. Please post a question there. We are going to do a Q&A. So people who have posted Q&As within our Cisco web meeting, we're going to get to that in a moment there. So thank you for posting some questions. Um, but also I, I wanted to, to change gears on that vein of communication. Um, I wanted to ask Sam this next question as well. So uh, about toxic behaviors and, and, and basically how does it affect the way we talk to each other, the way we communicate, you know, um, you know, we have three communication majors here in, in the group here, and we're always talking about how we, how we give and take information, but how do those behaviors change us in the way we communicate? Um, toxic behaviors create walls and like biases and they don't allow people to like see past them. Um, I think when it comes to, and when you say communicate, I'm going to take that um, I'm going to use that broadly. And Absolutely. Actually, you can take it any way you want. <laughs> Last night, I was um, just tuning into a series of lives with, like, um, people of, like, the queer community. Um, and, like, we were discussing just a host of um, topics. And a, one of the topics, like, were just, like, masculinity, femininity, um, like, you know, dating in the queer community. Um, and I remember asking one of the people that I was watching, I asked him, um, like, you know, masculine from men, like, you know, like, what do you prefer? And he kind of surmised that, like, it really doesn't matter. Um, I think he said that, like, you know, it's really boils down to just the energy. I think how people present themselves, um, whether it's more masculine or something, just doesn't necessarily factor in ultimately. And I think that that's a thing, that's a thought hey! that, like, blocked a lot of people from finding, like, 
just from finding like their one true pairing or the maybe because I feel though as though people are so caught up in like this presentation and like what it looks like to the outside world as opposed to just tuning into people internally. I think so when it comes back to how these toxic behaviors affect us, these toxic behaviors kind of create this utopia that just doesn't exist. Like you, you're like um, romanticizing like this idea of like masculinity or this idea of like how somebody should act and it's just not right. Um, but there. Hold it free. There's so no, you made a great point. Like it, the walls that we put up are basically prejudices of how we feel people should act, how they feel, how we feel they should be the dressing, how they feel they, they should look, um, right. how, you know, and, and that, that's a great point. You know, these ultimately these engendered roles that we're placing upon people are, are biases and, and prejudices, you know, that, that we have to acknowledge. Um, and if we want to overcome them, if we want to change, if we want to learn, if we want to grow, if you're done, um, if you want to experience new things, that's a great right. point. Experience people overall, especially like when it comes to like heterosexuals, um, intermingling with like homosexuals and like that old, um, idea that like, some heterosexual men did not want to engage with gay men just because they felt as though they had nothing in common. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, I've had an experience in which I was, like, living... I grew up with, like, my cousin predominantly and her husband um, was, like, kind of, like, not a father figure. He was just a male in the house um, because he's married to my cousin. And I think over time, as I stepped into myself, I think it's... Since I was a child, I've always been like more effeminate um, conventionally. And um, as that started to like unravel as I grew up, right, he rejected me um, in very like blatant ways, like nothing like that was verbal, but just like how he acted. And like, you know, when his wife, uh, my cousin, would question him about like, you know, why he just was so like, besides himself when it came to just interacting with me and engaging with me it was just that he felt as though i was being pushed onto him um being that i was living with them and also that like there was nothing for us to um there's nothing for us in a, there was nothing in common for us to um relate to um and that just just essentially like led to like me like not necessarily like it trickled down to my problems with men in general when it comes to actually knowing how to approach them because growing up i've only had female friends and it wasn't until like mid high school that like actually had a, a community of um, gay men to relate to. Um, and that was easy because like, you know, we all weren't Mommy. interested in each other in that yeah, way. Right. But like when it came to um, actually dealing with men that I was interested in, like I just didn't know where to start because the foundation mm -hmm. wasn't there. All the men that I have yeah, dealt with in the past or lack thereof Is that when didn't like, open? you know, help um, when it came to socializing and communicating with other men in general. It's just mm. blackwards. Anytime the Barbie say something, it... anyone else have anything to add regarding that? I mean, I know myself personally. I think everyone needs to kind of play um, a social tourist in terms of of people um, experiencing new things, and especially with communication and language, uh, you have to kind of try to learn a different language when talking to people. Um, you have to seek out what 
is going on in their lives culturally, what's going in, in their lives emotionally. And, and it's kind of like learning a second language. It's, we use that word communication code switching, where you can talk to languages at the same time and switch back and forth to more effectively communicate your point of view. And I think there's a lot of it with masculine behaviors. You know, the, sometimes, you know, if, if, if you, to more effectively, you know, communicate to someone who traditionally does exhibit more traditional masculine communicative habits, that's something you might have to do um, versus sometimes where you have to be more, you know, um, emotional, you know, uh, versus stoic, you know. So I, I, it's a sad thing that we have to do that, but those expected norms make our uh, communication, you know, uh, reinforced. And the, the mo only appropriate thing we can do, in my opinion, would be to, you know, be, to be, a, to prepare yourself, you know, do your research, you know, no, try to try anticipate those problems. So you don't have those conflicts. Um, that's, that's personally my, my point of view. Ben, go ahead. Yeah. I'm just kind of going off that. I have some, uh, personal experience, like with a scenario like that, where, um, in my own life, uh, the, people I'm friends with and the communities I'm involved with are um, pretty aware of toxic masculinity and definitely like proactive in trying to not um, exhibit toxic behavior in that way. Um, like, especially like the YDSA at school that we were very conscious of these social issues and constructs. And that's a big part of what we try to organize um, in fighting. Um, but then at the same time, um, this especially became apparent this last year as I was captain of the rugby team. I had to go into that environment, which is really hard to describe um, just how, how like masculine and like hyper that uh, dynamic can be at times. And then it ended up in this situation where I was expected to be, you know, the, the, the man, man of the men or whatever. And I'm just not really comfortable in embracing that role that much because I honestly think a lot of it's bullshit. And um, I just don't support a lot of those behaviors as me. and I don't feel comfortable doing them. And so it created this situation where I wasn't able to be an effective leader um, because I it's not that I couldn't do those things, but I don't agree with them. So right. while I do agree with you that it is important to know how to communicate with different people, I think it is. Again, it's also very important to constantly be, you know, really thinking about what you're doing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because there definitely are behaviors that you don't want to indulge in when trying to cross bridges. Does that make sense? You have a great point. You have to be considerate. You really have to think before you speak. You know, if something you say uh, can hurt someone, you know, then then just don't say it. You know, uh, you, it's okay to be silent. Um, and that, that's a great point. Um, I'd like to move on to just if you want to take a couple of questions right now. We did have a couple here within our WebEx session. Um, no one's really said anything in the social media feeds, but if you if you still want to go ahead and send any type of messages onto our posts in our social media feeds. Um, or uh, but the couple of questions we had here, I see Martin uh, posted here that uh, he says with regards to our conversation about being handy in a handy household. You in and you don't really have. He says he says when you are raised in a handy house old but you don't really have that feel for it you may be seen as less than you know so that that contributes to that pressure um that people could experience yeah i can absolutely understand that martin um you know being in an environment 
where, where you have that pressure and you feel less than. Um, we have a question here um, from Kay uh, Michelle, one of our podcast uh, hosts previously. Uh, she says she wants to know actually from the group, how would you say music plays a role in toxic masculinity? Uh, we talked about this a little bit in 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 Sammy J's podcast um, about about the music that he's experienced and, and the toxic tones to it. Um, what what would the uh, we want to start off with Sam a little bit? You want to start there? Um, yeah, uh, we have a lot of music and a lot of genres that have historically contributed to hypermasculine and um, misogynistic like ideas. Like, and I, I, this conversation didn't necessarily go there, but. Um, a lot of the times when we're discussing like masculinity, uh, we, when people kind of reject um, that certain things are feminine, I feel as though that's kind of like them deeming femininity as being lower than. However, now that I've had this conversation with you guys and just over the couple of um, days that just have passed, I've kind of like, gone in direction where I am deviating away from just the ideal of masculinity and femininity existing as a thing. However, when it comes back to just because we are people communicating things and labeling everything, um, yeah, like music can help or not help. I don't know. Right. Like we know hip hop and like, you know, where that traditionally comes from, but all of these issues are just so layered and multifaceted. So right. I, I can't dwindle down to give you something specific because my mind is everywhere. But somebody else <laughs> jump in. That's okay. Oh. Culture is, is is complex, I think. Uh, yes. Music is complex. There's so many different styles of music, so many genres of music, and it makes you feel so many different things. I mean, you, one song could make you feel one way and one song can make you feel another way. Right. Um, you know, atmosphere is is also important. So you're listening to at a party or at a club is different than when you're listening in a car. Um, but the question is, is how does the music reinforce, in my opinion, those those behaviors that are toxic? How does it reinforce those problems? Um, we really have to think about what we're listening. Although the hook is nice, the message might not be the best for us um, uh, as as a society. Uh, ben, you had something you wanted to add to that? Yeah, so music and a lot of art in general to me, um, I, I view it, I think, a little bit differently where um, I don't see so much that music and art are necessarily the things propagating this, although I'm sure there are some people who do create things with that goal. In that case, I would say it's probably not art as much as propaganda. But um, Thank you. when it comes to representation of toxic masculinity in a lot of these art forms, I think that in my perception of it, at least, it's more of a reflection of society than um, necessarily the driver of those behaviors, um, if that makes sense. And I... I it's it's really complicated because it's something I struggle with a lot where like you'll be really into an artist or whatever and this happens all the time and then it comes out that they did something terrible mm. and it's kind of having to and then like you look at their lyrics more deeply and like wow they were talking about doing this terrible thing and I thought it was just them being expressive but they really did this terrible thing um and then you kind of have to confront that so it is really difficult to parse through but I um, I view music particularly as more of 
a culture's uh, expression of itself than necessarily the thing that's creating that culture. That makes sense. That's a good point. Um, We create the music, not the music creates the culture. Um, Going back to, Going back to Brady's story, I have a question, another question from John Zappi, one, one of our other hosts from our previous podcast. He asked, um, how can we make coaches or athletes more aware of the toxic language that is coming out of their house, of their mouths? Like, th- how do we change those behaviors? Um, actually, I'm going to tie this. I'm going to I'm going to actually uh, place this to everyone here. because okay. the second question that I have here was from Jacob, um, which is which is very similar. It's like, how do we go about confronting toxic masculinity in our social conversations? Um, Jacob, our other host from a previous podcast. But, so that that begs the question, like, how do we fight these behaviors? How do we change? How do we learn? Um, and, and, and how do we change the way we communicate? Um, let's start. I like to start off with Sam, if we could on that one. 15 minutes. Um, I think it just starts with calling it out. Like people mm-hmm. in our social dynamics, like with our friends, with our family members, like we just like to be, um, non-confrontational and just like, yeah, this is my, not have to make everything conflict, but mm-hmm. honestly, um, it's going to have to be, you're going to have to get uncomfortable before you get to a place where everybody's comfortable at the end of the day. Like you're going to have to suffer or sacrifice it, your, um, like peace just momentarily to address um, these things this. and then you know we can all come i feel like first off she has to be friends i feel like we fit and feel comfortable dealing with each other at she's like i'm sorry so i think it just starts with the actually confronting it and not like letting it pass by he said don't worry i have absolutely ben i see you're nodding your head very much yeah um i've recently kind of stepped as i've been been more um i've been doing some like self-education on a lot of this stuff and um with the rugby team again i've there's been situations where um in the past they've said things that i've personally disagreed with but i was like it, it's like that classic line right like everyone's entitled their opinion it's what but mm-hmm. then you kind of get to the point or i have where you have to acknowledge that certain opinions are harmful and you should not give them equal footing compared to other like like if you're if you're putting forth a misogynist opinion, I'm not going to respect that. You know what I mean? Um, and it is, it, it takes, I, it makes me very uncomfortable whenever I have to confront something like that. I have a lot of social anxiety. So um, it really like weighs heavily on me, but once you have it, you know, set in your mind that like, these are the things I stand for and it doesn't matter who it is saying something against this, you, if you stay true to that, um, it can help, but yeah, it is really the basic of like the basic principle of staying true to the values that you espouse. Um, and then calling that out and saying, Hey, that's not right. And making people think about what they're saying. And it's unfortunate because sometimes people will build a resentment for you because of it, because they're like, Oh, I have to watch how I talk around them. But for me, I don't, it doesn't bother me that much because at the end of the day, I made you change your thinking. That's what I wanted to do. Whether you resent me for it or not is your issue. Right. Brady, do you have something else you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, kind of to go off what uh, what Sam and Ben just kind of said, it, it, it starts with, with having a conversation. Right. You know, I, I think um, as, you know, as athletes, as an athlete, you know, uh, we don't feel comfortable uh, kind of what, kind of what Sam said, um, in terms of, you know, talking about it because it makes us uncomfortable. 
but the only way to break down that barrier is by having that conversation and making it uncomfortable because once you do that you're able to kind of then get to a place where everyone can kind of be on the same page and agree you know about it and how it should be talked about and kind of the just the way that it it should work you know as opposed to to just these you know these you know like just kind of once again to come back to it just these gender boxes being being put on you and being forced upon you um you know just just based off your your gender yeah it's it's a it's a a lot of uh finding that neutral ground that's a great point that that everyone's put out there um we just want to very quick both veer off track for a second and i want to give uh uh dr umama heshwar the the final upper the final say in, in how we should probably combat this but we had one quick question from our twitter feed um that someone wanted to know uh this is from claire on our twitter feed um, was there ever a moment um where people in the group second guessed something they did or liked because it was seen as more masculine it was not masculine or feminine um, was there, was there ever something specific? They don't want to take that. I will. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. I, I think Brady's hand was up as well. So I'll let him talk. Uh, th- thank you. Sorry. Uh, no, just all I, all I was going to say is that, um, I, uh, I have growing up, uh, through middle school and high school, I, uh, I would babysit a lot. Um, and, you know, I babysit for family friends, for, for cousins, you know, uh, things like that. And I know that I used to kind of get teased about it by my, specifically by my male friends, um, because of the fact that I was, you know, like being, I guess, quote unquote, uh, a, a caretaker, which kind of goes back to, you know, the fact that we put these labels on, on job fields and, and jobs and, you know, gender biases about specific jobs. And, you know, like, Oh, if, if you know, you can't be a girl and be a mechanic or you can't be a guy, and you know, work at a daycare, be a daycare provider, like, um, you know, which, which showed in our research that that is what, what people think, uh, at least based off the data. And, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, it shouldn't be true. It shouldn't be true. I, I, I hope it's not true. Uh, but I definitely, uh, you know, got teased for that, uh, in middle school and high school. Um, you know, because of the fact that, you know, on the weekends, instead of, uh, you know, not every weekend, but some weekends, instead of, you know, going out with, you know, my, my buddies and, you know, playing, you know, tackle football in the backyard or, you know, playing manhunt or, you know, you know, whatever, whatever it was, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was taking care of, uh, you know, of people's, uh, people's kids. Absolutely. Dr. Mamaheshwar, did you want to add to that question? Yeah, sure. I, I just wanted to add, I mean, from, from a personal standpoint, Growing up with an older brother, I think many people, many girls will go through the tomboy phase. Uh, it was prolonged for me, but I also wanted to point out that it it's not symmetrical. A girl growing up who wants to behave more like a boy, who's got, we have the tom, tomboy label, right? There's yeah. a growing acceptability of that. Like there's the, it's fine. If you're, if your little girl wants to play soccer and is 
you know, kind of into roughhousing, you know, you, you're almost like proud of it now, right? You're like, oh, I've got like the badass princess trope, right? Um, she, she's, she's really feminine, but also really badass. Um, there is not that same kind of acceptance of boys who want to engage in stereotypically feminine behaviors. There just isn't. Uh, so I wanted to kind of call attention to that, that there's, there's, it's fine for girls to be tomboys, but the moment boys try to, to embrace feminine traits, they get, they just get skewered with all of these derogatory labels. Um, and I think that points to how restrictive our definition of masculinity is that femininity is, is not as fragile, right? You can be a girl and be so many different ways and people are okay with it. Uh, but if you're a boy, you have to be this very specific way or else you're not good enough. Sam, I know we talked specifically about this in your podcast and you had your hand raised right there. Uh, did you have something you wanted to say? Yeah, um, just bringing back to my upbringing, I've always um, liked traditionally like feminine things. Um, and I've had to deal with like my fair share of family members telling me that, oh, like, you know, boys aren't supposed to do this and the third. But it never like, skewed even it never skewed me away like sometimes i might have to like do it in secrecy but like at the end of the day um this is just like who i was truly and even um now like as an adult or young adult i should say um i've stepped more into the realm of like being gender queer like with my um gender expression right and the kind of like disarray that like my mom has had to kind of deal with or um i've had to deal with is definitely telling of the rigidity when it comes to the complex of a male and how even women can um perpetuate like these toxic um toxic masculine ideals and have like you know just when i think of like the times that i've put on something that's feminine, whether it may be a dress, a blouse, a skirt, whatever, the kind of shift in um, the reaction that I get is like a shift in like humanity in a sense, in regard to like, what am I looking at? Like, you're not even like you anymore, but like at the end of the day, it's just a piece of clothing and who I am and my ideals and what I think, like I'm still the same kid that, I'm not talking, so if you need something, let me know. Me putting on a skirt and a pee putting on pants does not change that. You know what I mean? So I think it just comes down to people um, needing to let people be people um, and define themselves and stop contributing to these abusive institutions that don't inherently help anybody, whether you are masculine, feminine, um, black, brown, you know, marginalized, whatever the case may be, like, it all of these like expectations and these constructs come from one main thing right and i think that comes from like the supremacy of um the institution that america has established and once you perpetuate one thing it perpetuates another and then it just builds and and um altogether it surmises in you jailing yourself in a system that was never made to liberate you and i i just want to i just want to add to to ben to brady to Dr. Umama Hishwar to Sam, it, thank you so much for for expressing yourselves um, and sharing and and pushing and fighting back. Um, I, I think that's definitely something that that as, as we expressed and learned through this conversation is important. Um, and the more communication that we do, the more we talk about it, uh, 
the, the how I feel is be the best way uh, that we can we can combat this. I want to give the last word to Dr. Umami Heshwar. How how do you feel? What what would you say is the best way that we can combat this? Yeah, I think we we have to start with recognizing again. Um, everyone here spoke about how speaking out is important, calling it out is important. But I also want to draw attention to the fact that who who gets to do the calling out, right? Um, women aren't as uncomfortable as men calling out those kinds of behaviors. So if you're in a mixed gender group and somebody says something really misogynistic, you might have a few of the girls in that group say, that's not cool. Don't talk like that. Right. Right. The reason it's, it's so it's not social, like generalized social anxiety or generalized um, discomfort with confrontation. It's specifically men who are uncomfortable challenging other men in many instances. It's that you don't want to be that dude who stands up against another dude and says, that's not cool. Right. Because, again, somebody someone wrote an entire book on this, how like gender is accountability, like you're being held accountable by those norms. Right. And the moment you try and push back, you get stigmatized. So it's not even like, OK, that might be kind of awkward. It's that you're afraid that the next time somebody wants to go out to get a beer, you're not going to be invited because you're that yeah. guy. All right. So so who I, I think when we say it needs to be called out, it does. And but I think it needs to be called out by the people who are in a position to change it. And in many instances that those people, women can shout from the rooftops um, and we've been shouting from the rooftops. Uh, but it's not done a whole lot, right? What we need are the people who kind of embody that that uh, valorized ideal masculinity, right? We need the white, cisgender, young, middle-class to affluent men uh, to be the ones to stand up and say that's that's not that's not okay. And also to recognize that the reason that they're uncomfortable doing that is is that they they worry about how they're going to be perceived by fellow men. Like it was not so much by women, right? Not so much by non-binary individuals. They're worried about how they're going to be perceived uh, by men just like that. A busy day. Uh, so I think that kind of heightened awareness and, and self-critique is really important if we're to change this I like going the way forward. she talks about things. I agree. And let's hope that we have many people listening right now that that message uh, resonates with and can pass that on to people that they meet. Um, and again, so this concludes then our live video podcast of Masculinity Redefined, A Lone Wolf. Um, I'd like to thank our guest speakers, um, Dr. Umama Heshwar, Brady Agovino, Ben Kroll, Sammy J. Uh, of course, I'd like to thank all of our followers on the internet um, who I hope are social distancing and staying safe um, and trying to alleviate the stress during these difficult times. Um, I've been your host, Jason Karubia, and I please encourage everyone to continue the discussion um, with people that you meet. Also visit our website, www.masculinityredefined.info. Uh, follow our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Again, that's at SESU underscore CMS. We do have a TikTok uh, account as well. Um, that's at Masculinity Redefined, and defined is D-E-F-I-N-D. Um, please follow those social media accounts. Continue that conversation with us. We look forward to seeing you there. Thank you again, everyone, uh, and be well. Thank you for listening to Masculinity Redefined. Our producers were K. Michelle, Jason Carubia, John Zabi, Jacob Miko. Music by Ben Kroll. This podcast was recorded at Southern Connecticut State University. For more information, check out our website at www dot masculinity redefined dot info